It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby. It is Russ Johnson, and it's all connected. That's my mission here, to show you how all beliefs in one way or another are connected. And I want to welcome today's podcast episode guest, Michael O'Connor. He's a full-time professional astrologer and life coach. He has 25 years experience serving clients worldwide. His work is supported by ongoing studies in spirituality, the human potential movement, and the psychology of self-actualization geared toward personal development, health, and professional fulfillment. As a humanistic astrologer, Michael is person-centered, and his work with people includes a strong emphasis on personal development, self-actualization, career direction, and achievement, and finding the balance between the inner, our spiritual natures, and our outer, the material success. So join me now as I welcome my guest from sunstarastrology.com when I ask him how young he was when he got started. Well, it's, you know, I have a not by my nature, I'm very drawn to understand human nature and, you know, in the psychological and spiritual sense. And it dovetails itself with also a natural orientation to working with people like a counselor or a coach. Uh, and it also reaches over to the bigger picture, like the human condition, you know, a kind of philosophical perspective on larger cycles of reality and just, you know, who are we and where are we, you know, in time in, in astrology is good at that. It really provides a context based on natural cycles. How could the average person find that beneficial? I mean, what are you using? What are you looking at that gives that benefit? Well, it's important to note that astrology kind of, there's, there's a personal approach to it that you can provide insight and guidance for any given individual based on their birthday, month, year, uh, and uh, place and time you know, day, month, year, place, and time. The place and time is just because where are you located on the planet? And, you know, astrology is based on uh, where the planets are at any given moment, but from a very specific location, you know. Uh, And so we can do that on a personal level, but there's this whole other side of astrology that can branches over into the collective perspective. Yeah, yeah, you're talking my language, but let me let's get let's face that first one about how where the planets are located for a beginner, including myself. And I'll tell you my story in a moment because I've not really been into astrology that long. But how do you explain to someone that planets at the moment of birth matter? Why does it matter? Why why does that play such a, a huge role on our experience of life? Well, it you have to in order to understand the how and why it works, you have to take a a holistic perspective. Now, holistic is a word that dovetails itself with both spirituality and metaphysics. Uh holistic um implies that you know, here we are as human beings, we live on a planet where, you know, we all share 
uh, our existence on this particular planet. And the planet is therefore a part of a solar system. The solar system can be understood as a whole. So we can look out in space and we can think of, oh, there's all the, you know, the stars and we don't really notice the planets unless you really understand what you're looking at. But if you actually look at it differently, like you understand that the sun is the nucleus of this solar system, right? And the planets within the solar system are very specifically in it. Like, for example, the the solar system extends, they say, the energy field of the sun extends for the uh, for one day, the duration of one day at the speed of light. Okay. And uh, that's that the furthest, well, not anymore, but Pluto, which is now considered a dwarf planet, but it's about eight hours at the speed of light away. And then the solar system extends for about, you know, 12... Uh, uh, 14, uh, no, 16, excuse me, 16 more hours, 24 hours in all, right? And so, so the, t- for 24 hours at the speed of light, that's the, ex- the extent of the ener- energy field of the sun. Well, the closest star that we see in the sky is 4.22 light years away. Wow. Now, if you understand that carefully, that means that the, the, uh, the, the closest planet is about 9,500 times further away. The, the closest, excuse me, the closest star wow. is about 9,500 times further away than Pluto. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so in other words, what you, you suddenly get now is that we live in what you could call the local cosmic environment. Okay. Now, the local cosmic environment is the solar system. The solar system can be described as like a cosmic cell. Okay, it's a cell of con- and the sun at the center is like the nucleus of this. Uh, you know, I mean, we it's, cro- it's mixing metaphors a bit, but when we get into a cell, we can think of it having its own atomic structure. But you know, because we're dealing with you know the difference between atoms and molecules here and cells, right? But you get this notion that there's this cosmic Mm -hmm. cell principle and the sun is the energy at the and the brains at the center of it. Okay, so if you understand that, you understand basically that the even though, uh, you know, the planets are very, very, very far away in light of our speed of travel, etc. In light of the realities of how close the closest star is let alone the next galaxy <laughs> or anything else it's it's it the ratio makes you realize wow the planets are way closer than we thought and now even though we know the sun is the center of the solar system right that's not how we experience it we like we experience the sun rising and setting we experience the day and night cycle of the earth turning. We experience the, uh, you know, the seasonal round based on the earth going around the sun, but it's not, the, our experience is not from the sun-centered perspective. I see. So even though we recognize in astrology that the sun, yes, indeed, is the center of the solar system, we shouldn't assume, therefore, astrology doesn't work because now, classically, that kind of faux pas is that you've now re- removed yeah. the observer 
from the reality. You see, in other words, a solar, a sun-centered principle is a one that kind of, if one uses the sun at the center of the solar system as proof that astrology doesn't work, it has completely removed the observer from the experiment. Yeah. Okay. So because there's no existence on the sun. Assuming that I digest that, how, how does it work? Well, you know, you've got to, you got to step back a little bit now. Let me offer you a, a kind of a, a spiritual uh, model that might work. Okay? You're talking my language. Please do. Okay. It goes like this. You know, if we think of the, in a holistic sense, we might think of that the ocean of existence is like, we could call it spirit, the spiritual source of existence we call God, right? Okay. God. Mm -hmm. So we all spiritually, religiously, we go, we all come from God. Right, so in a sense, we could be seen to be uh, kind of a like a, 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 a droplet in the ocean of God as a soul, as a soul. We are fragments of God. Yes, we're like a, a droplet out of the ocean of the oneness of God. Got it. So that in that oneness with God, we're a part of the ocean, the oneness. Right. I'm with you now. In a sort of a relative sense it appears that the there's a purpose and a plan of the individuation principle to occur where the soul now is uh what you could call the droplet out of the ocean of spirit or god okay when we say spirit i'm not talking about spirits i'm talking about god as the spiritual source okay we're not talking about okay mm -hmm. okay so so now the soul out of that forming like a, a separate individuated droplet. You know, like a droplet of water has like a, a little skin around it. Yep. That skin is like the mind of the soul, the mind of the soul. Now, when the soul's out of the oneness, it now enters into the realm of, of duality. Like the, the, the mind principle has like a vibration principle. Okay. This by, and now what that generally means is that, that mind, which would be our subconscious mind, is subject to layers of reality. But these layers of reality precede the outer manifest world. So it's known to the ancients as the, the levels of mind. So there's the, like there's a, a mental level, an emotional or imaginative level. There's what's called a etheric level and there's a physical level so just like the way that the human body's constituted there's levels to it like we have our skin then we have our you know uh, muscles then we have our you know our veins and we have our uh, you know bones and all the levels that go in and, and that's just the quick and dirty on it right there's multiple levels so the levels in the physical sense can also be understood to occur at a subtler level. So this is what is metaphysically called the mental, emotional, imaginative, then the etheric, and then the physical. So these levels exist uh, in what would be called the inner planes. Yeah. And, and, and I can wrap my head around that part. I can actually understand you, and you've described that very well. Okay, yeah, thank you. What they generally collectively represent is the mind. Like all the levels are the mind. 
the levels of the mind, not just intellectual side of the mind, just the mind itself is is kind of like what is generally called the mind of God, really. It's we live, although at, in the ocean of oneness, we're in the, you know, the oneness with God as the, in a spiritual state, but in the more manifest state, we live in the mind of God. Correct. I totally agree. It's kind of an interesting difference. It's a, it's not really, it's a paradox because they're not really separate, but in the mind of God, we're now a part of an evolutionary plan and there's a rhyme and reason and a purpose and there's kind of, and it kind of begs the question, what is that? But there, there seems to be this purposeful thing. Now, in those levels, at the highest level of, of the mental, what's called the mental plane, is what's called the realm of archetypes. That's known as like the blueprint of existence. In the archetypes is the shape and design of existence. So it's not just a planetary thing. Like the entire universe has a shape and a design. Science kind of presents this random notion of there was a big bang and all these planets. It's kind of like, no, it's not exactly correct. In the, and I know that sounds a little strong. I'm not a scientist. I'm not astrophysicist. So who am I to say? But there's tons of astro- uh, astronomers who disagree. But the main t- mainstream narrative is that, oh, just, you know, be quiet. You know, <laughs> we yeah. want to every, we want to believe there was a big bang. It's kind of a re, it's a form of infantile replacing of the big God as, as father, you know, like we're going to, we're no longer going to have a God, the father. Now we're going to have the big bang, <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. what, big, how would you say, what would you say the process was to create all this? I kind of do. I think that as the ancients say that existence comes out of the ether, it's not like a big bang. Like even the big bang is kind of, it's a little complicated in the sense that it says it was 13.8 billion years ago, but they know that the, the, they've seen galaxies further away than that. How do you explain that? Really? I know. <laughs> How of this is so deep. It gets, it gets kind of, yeah, it gets a bit mind bending and I have to, you know, humble myself here at that level, but there's, you know, it, there's a lot of belief that it goes on in mathematics, in science. They they would not, you know, the more honest among them would agree. There's a lot of theory, a lot of yeah. belief, a lot of, you know, we're, this is what we're riding on. And then it kind of becomes sort of a collective agreement. But, you know, it's it gets complicated, especially when it's kind of unfortunate power politics, right? Even though there's branches of science that see it completely different than a Big Bang theme, the mainstream power political narrative is that there was a Big Bang, now be quiet. Yeah, well, ultimately, you know, who knows anyway, but it, it is what it is. That's the thing, you know, however it happened, it happened. Where do you think the ether came from? Well, it's all part of the inner mechanics of the mind of God. You see, what I'm trying to say here is that behind the outer manifestation, which when we look at existence, both in the cosmic and the, which is the macro, and then we look at the micro, more specifically looking at this planet itself. And on this planet, we can look at you know, nature, but we can get into the anatomical, we can get into the chemical, we can get into the biological, right? But whatever you do, 
you're going to, wherever level you look, you're going to see the signature of design. Yeah, I totally agree. Listen, we're in a thousand percent agreement there. I want you to, can you explain as well as you just explained this, the planet being in a certain position at my moment of birth and why that was so strongly in the influence behind. I recognize what you're saying about it. It's, it's all connected. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's now what happens is because we come from the ocean of God, the oneness, we have that spark in us, the divine spark. So we have, that's really important to understand our divine spark. What does that mean to you? Uh, that this, the, the spirit, like that p- fragment of God that we have in us, right? So it's not just uh, we're here and empty and there's God in full. No, we're, it can't be otherwise in a holistic mindset, which is it's all connected, right? That we're, we have a, a, a little bit of it. And that little bit is very significant because just as the mystics and just as the quantum physicists say, it's all a relative illusion. All of the manifest universe is there and it's solid. We're experiencing God's dream. So it's one thing to call it a dream or an illusion, but it's a reality full of pleasure and pain if you don't play along, you know, right? So we have to be humble and realize that there's a plan here. and We are, even though ultimately we are not, you know, the universe itself could disappear. They say existence uh, – in addition to the design, the design is the key word. You have to understand that in the blueprint, in the plan or the design, the blueprint of the plan, there's uh, the inner way it works. Like meaning when I say it, I'm talking about how astrology works is in there because the planets now in the solar system are a part of that design. And remember, the solar system can be understood as a whole unit, like a single cell. We exist within the purposeful, intelligent design of that cell. So if we were to study a cell, we would see it as a highly sophisticated machine, a very, it's a unified, highly sophisticated machine. And there's no way science will ever create a cell or a seed because the cell and the seed are of God. Yeah, and there you go. They're of God, right? You can't like it. It's it's nothing. So this is like astrology is not against God. It's at all. It's actually all about God. It's all about creation. It's all about uh, spiritual reality. And But we bring it down to a practical level that we have a physical body. And we took at this moment of first breath at birth, even though we can talk about conception, it's that moment of first breath at birth at birth, which gives us this sort of next level of independence beyond our mother's womb, right? So that that's what the, the birth chart's based on that exact moment. Now, So that moment is the imprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just appears to work very, very well that that's it. And now what, you know, what happens is that the planets, now what's really important is that when we This is where astronomy definitely helps astrology immensely. And in ancient times, they were seen as, you know, the male and the female, if you like. The astronomy does the measuring and the naming, and it does a lot of good work that way. And it provides us with a mapped 
awareness of where the planets are, you know, here's the sun, here's Mercury, Venus, you know, the earth, moon, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, all in, we, we now know what their order is. Remember though, even though we now have come to realize how they are in light of the solar system with the sun at the center, we're always seeing it from the Earth's center. It's always important to remember that. That's called geocentric versus heliocentric. Okay, geocentric is just that we are on the planet, we're seeing reality. Mm -hmm. And as divine beings, we're engaged in a process of co-creation. So what that means is that it's not it's when you say it's all connected, it really is all connected. So it's, it's what they, it's a bit paradoxical in that here I am and there you are, or, you know, there, we live in this body and we have a kind of a time space sort of limitation, but in a larger sense, we're in close relationship with existence. And, but that existence, just like wherever you live, it begins with the weather where you are, and you know, you can add social politics and all that if you like, but just in the natural world, you just you're subject to that environmental reality. Well, in a way, when we extend that a bit further, we extend it to the solar system, and that becomes our local cosmic environment. Man, I love the way you've described this. Beautiful. Now, when you know, when you get back into a reality of um us on the planet, uh, and we're uh, experiencing, and each and every one of collectively, that's true. But uh, each person, but you can look at it both ways. But let's just say collectively, we're all on this planet, and we experience the the planets in the sky, and they're all at a certain position. They're always, always in motion, and the relationship between them. By the way, from the Earth's perspective, this is important. The relationship between the planets from the Earth's perspective is never exactly the same twice. But, but there is this, there's these consistent patterns linked to the fact that the Earth spins on its axis at a very consistent speed. It rotates around the sun at a consistent speed. The moon rotates around the Earth at a consistent speed. Everything in the rotational reality is rather consistent. It's set. There may be the smallest variations, but they, they, whether they change, whether it's an ongoing variation or whether it just kind of wobbles and comes back to center, I'm not 100% sure, but the variations are kind of a fixed thing. So is is that the reason why people who are born certain times are generally like if uh, within a sign, um, you know, astrology sign is that's why they have similar personality traits? Well, it's you're uh, getting a little ahead of yourself, but there's there's some definite truth that people born during like periods of time share similarities. Ultimately, everybody's unique. But yes, just like, you know, there's various common denominators we share with people for different reasons, like whether we're born in the same country, the same state, the, the same town. But then uh, astrologically, of course, it has more to do with time, like time. Like we, in other words, astrology is li very much linked to the astronomy factor, which is time. Uh, like, in other words, this is where astrology and astronomy meet. Like when we think of clocks and calendars, 
we're talking about the measurement of the earth spinning and rotating around the sun and the moon going around the earth that that those that relationship between the sun the moon and the earth creates clocks and calendars do you see because the it's the earth you know spinning on its axis in 24 hours it's the earth re- rotating around the sun in 365 and a quarter days uh, it's the moon orbiting around the earth in a 29.5 day period from full new moon to new moon. Okay. All that. So it's all this clock and calendar. We get this time factor. The thing to understand though. Okay. Now, now the, there's a few different areas that are a little complex, but it goes like this. It's when you map the planets from the ever, wherever a person is at that moment when they took their first breath and we look, we're able through the science to look at where the, the planets are, where the moon is in terms of its relationship to the sun, uh, to the earth. Was it a new moon, a waxing half moon? Was it a full moon? Those are some of the factors. What season was it? What hour of the day was it? All these factors determine the position of the planets like, a, like we took a snapshot of the heavens. But more specifically, you have to map them out on a chart. When you put the planets on a chart, something happens. It's a kind of a strange thing. It's a little bit of a leap for some to understand, but the chart itself is best understood as what's called a mandala, a mandala. Okay, what that means is that the circle that the chart represents, and by the way, the circle of the chart is sort of like us on earth watching the moon go around. We go, okay, there it is, and it's you know dark, and there it is, it's a quarter, it's in a different position, and there it is, it's full, it's in a different position, you know, and it moves around. And so people would observe that and they go, hey, if I were to draw this on a map, what they would do is draw a circle and they would put the moon at its new half full and waning half points. You go, oh my God, there's the beginning of the mandala. It's not the only way of defining what the mantle is, but it just so happens that the moon cycle was the first observational perspective. Yeah. And a lot of people rely on the moon for, for their readings. Let me ask you this. If, if, if I had someone who was born, same town, same hospital, same exact time, would we have a lot of the similar traits? Oh, yes. Oh, you would astrologically, you would. Now, admittedly, there's other factors like genetics, yeah. like, you know, your what your name is. Uh, in your family, you'll have a birth order. You'll come like, you know, you'll be first son or second son or you up to, you know, whatever. Uh, born after three sisters. And that might be different than the person beside you. Some people might think it shouldn't be like that, but why shouldn't it? It's, it's, you know, it's a little hard. It's, some people need very, they need to have rigid minds so they can't understand that in order to understand astrology, it's complex, but you have to be flexible and not seek linear conclusive thinking. You have to think variables like two children born in the hospital side by side, two babies, uh, and, you know, same moment, same time, same astrology, but Even though the, because astrology doesn't predict certainties, it only presents the, uh, like the, uh, it it focuses on probabilities and possibilities. So, but it's not like uh, the, the predictive side of astrology 
would matter to those two people, but it gets a little less fixed when you realize that there's free will involved. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so, so it's not, it's, it's a, astrology is the study of the symbolic study of probabilities and possibilities. It's not, the reason it's not a call, it's called a pseudoscience is because it's not based on exactitudes. But then again, neither is astronomy. It tries to be. Not like, and look at biology, look at medicine. That's just kind of, everybody's winging it. There's a lot of winging it going on out there. You follow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be in, it's one thing to be in like uh, various forms of engineering. Even engineering is a creative possibility, probability zone. That's why bridges are all built differently. For example, or buildings, it's kind of like, hey, it's not just a one sit size fits all, although they can work with more precise, you know, engineering precision. Okay, nothing's wrong with that. But engineering is one thing because you're dealing with objects. But when you include human psychology, well, you're talking about a different kind of creature now. Yeah. And I tell you what, man, from my experience, it was like um, I was blown away at first just an auto generated report. I was like, wow, I don't believe my family could have described me this well. And so I decided that I'm going to. Um, get an, a, a live reading and I did. And this girl just blew me away so much. So she was telling me stuff. I just, I mean, it was so specific about my personality. I mean, really deep stuff. So I needed more proof. Yeah. I went and got another reading. And so I went to this reading. She was saying a lot of the same things that the last uh, astrologer had told me. Yeah. It works like that. And so I decided, well, I got to get another one. I just need one more confirmation that this is, there's a certain level of science to this. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, uh, for them to be that specific and, and, and to be consistent across the board, um, yeah, there's got to be a little bit more to it than, I mean, maybe what some people give it credit for. Well, unfortunately, see, astrology, by the way, wasn't invented. It was discovered. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, the reason is just observation. Like actually astrology, believe it or not, is the first science and the first religion because it was like the, the ancient, you know, like, you know, in ancient times, whatever the dates are, our, our ancestor, your early ancestors, you know, had at some point opportunity to observe and they, what they observed first and foremost was the movement of the moon and the changing face of the moon, right? So they began to kind of record it. And, you know, they, they then in time began to create association with it. Like, oh, whenever the moon did that, this happened. Or, you know, and then in time, it included an ob- a recognition that not all the stars behave the same. And the planets, which is a word that means moving star, it has a different behavior pattern than the other stars. And they began to pay close attention and they noticed, right, there, those plant, those things are, those stars are different than those other Can stars. Can you imagine how long it took them staring at stars to figure all this out? I mean, only. Yeah. Oh, moly. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, it was, the, it was kind of like the uh, intrinsic intelligence of the human mind began, you know, by keeping records. And by the way, wow. astrology also lent not only to science in observational sense, but it lent to the science of record keeping to observe patterns. And also when they, in creating patterns, they started creating symbols. So it be, actually was the first language. 
In fact, so whether you call that astronomy or astrology, it's a kind of a they 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 connect at that level because it was in a way it was astronomy, right? That observing, etc. But the astrology emerged eventually when we began to create uh, interpretive uh, insights regarding what will happen and what it means. What it that's, means. that's a lot of paying attention. I got to tell you that. Oh, yeah. Let's try to let's talk about some practical ways to use this. We've tried we've tried to explain a little bit about how it all works. And man, it's so deep. It's, you know, it's hard to cover in a yeah, 30 minute yeah. conversation. <laughs> now we're 40 minutes. But um, what are some practical ways? Like if we're looking for a job or maybe a relationship, how would you use it? Well, you know, you look at the chart and you're looking at what would in effect be the person's nature. Okay, now it begins their nature, meaning the chart is based on principles like the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, which uh, and the whole chart, by the way, once again, is based on the very natural cycle of the earth turning on its axis, the earth going around the sun which appears like it's the opposite. It appears the sun goes around us, but creates seasons and then the moon waxing and waning. And then once, you know, with modern day, you know, computers, we have it all plotted on a chart. But I started astrology when I would, you know, plot it myself, but I was using a pocket computer, admittedly, you know, a calculator. Uh, wow. So, yeah. It, now, the point is, once you plot all the planets, you're getting a picture of a of a person's nature and destiny that reveals probability probability is important word as opposed to certainty okay because how each person embodies the planetary archetypal principles is invariably personal where you get into this personal psychology thing Mm -hmm. so this is where the interpretive side of astrology is subject to uh you know, very strong. Yeah, it's very strong, various kinds of indications about what the person will have a tendency to do, whether in their career, they're going to be more of a communicator, or whether they're going to be a, a counselor, or whether they're going to be a scientist, it can it shows it, it shows it in levels of probability. Uh, now, so so if if I'm like let's, let's assume I'm trying to find a job, you would use this in a way to like well, there's here's a time period right here that would be a good time for you to go pursue that. Is it because the, it, would that be one That's, way to use uh, it? One of the ways. Uh, what um, it looks at things in a surprisingly diverse way. Uh, but yes, when you know people sometimes have questions about money and if is there money indicators. It, it invariably in humanistic astrology, especially we're we're talking about a an engagement. We're not talking about what will happen just by you sitting on the couch here. It's kind of a co-creative, cooperative process. But it can look at uh, you know um, themes and timing of when it's more likely to occur. Now it goes into deep levels, by the way. It doesn't just talk about the practical, but it does. It can talk about what kind of person you will tend to be attracted to and have more success with in relationships. It'll talk about what kind of work you are likely to be good at and enjoy. Uh, and, and then it will talk about timing 
of various opportunities that will present themselves um, and so on. So, you know, it provides people with guidance, insight, clues, hints, tips to navigate themselves through the whole world, you know, uh, and, you know, we all experience various chapters in our life. You know, when we're in elementary school, then we graduate to high school, for example, and then we graduate from high school to, well, maybe other levels of school, or maybe we enter the workforce. So there's all these chapters, right? And then, of course, the same is true of our relationships. When we look back and think of all the various friends and networks and groups we have, we realize that, you know, we're no longer in association with a lot of those people and, and, you know, it's a never ending kind of ongoing thing. Yeah. Right. So it's what I'm trying to do is say, like, there's a lot of variables, but the uh, birth chart presents the base template of various probabilities of what, how the person will be, what they'll be good at, when certain themes of destiny will come to the fore. You know, it, it get, it, I do numerology as well, by the way. Numerology and astrology talk to each other very closely hmm. and they talk to each other, meaning they work well together. Uh, these, and they're very, it's all very. That's, a, that's another day conversation because I would really like to talk to someone who can explain it. And you sound like you explained this so well. I hope you can explain numerology just as well. And we will make that a different conversation if you're open to it. Sure, sure. Numerology, just briefly. Numerology, once again, is the fact that in numbers, there's just basically zero to nine, 10 numbers. It's like a, it's, it's, it's kind of not a, it's a language of sorts, numerology. So, but it has these 10 main numbers. You can compound the numbers like, you know, 11 or 13 or 22. But, uh, you know, the main thing is that there, uh, there's only that many numbers and they have like one is qualitatively different than two. Like, you know, if we put a point on the, like if I put a pencil on the page, right, and I can call that uh, a point one, but if I draw a line, it'll have two poles to it. That's kind of like two. <laughs> and it, you say go, it goes on like that. So if you think of the numbers, not just as quantifiers and not simply as designators, like uh, serial numbers, but qualities, every number has a, a symbolic thing, you go, wow, there is only 10 numbers, zero to nine. Okay, we're not talking fractions. We're not talking other kind of uh, symbols in various advanced mathematics. Admittedly, those are there. But it, when it just comes to the numbers, you know, I mean, pi, if you like, is made up of a certain set of numbers. <laughs> so it goes on and on and on like that. So Yeah, I mean, listen, we're gonna, we'll have this conversation a different time. And I could definitely see uh, how you could make that connection. Okay, sure, sure. The reason, the reason I wove... The reason I wove it in there a bit is because, get this, so there's zero to nine, right? If you take a 360-degree circle, like you just draw a circle on a page or just take anything that's circular, you know that that circle has 360 degrees in it. What's interesting is the circle itself is zero. And if you add three plus six, it equals nine. See that? There's a little, it's not like, it's, it's, it can be seen like, oh, that's kind of like, yeah, like, duh. I've been looking at, you know, you know circular discs all my life, but never thought that the, the disc itself, like a, like a CD, is shaped like a circle, like a, like a zero. 
but and the 360 degrees in an equal nine. And then you kind of go, you start going from there. Now, if you divide that nine by How four. How do you sleep at night is what I want to know. <laughs> if you divide that nine by four, 360 by four, guess what? Four quarters of 90. If you divide it by eight, you're going to have eight quarters of 45. Four plus five equals nine. I'm getting dizzy. It, you, it goes on and on. Like numerology, numerology is it's right there in front of you. It's nothing dark or magic. It's just this thing. You can call it magic, but there it is in front of you. So it's not evil. Like people kind of get a little superstitious because Michael, it all, it all comes back to this all connected. There is no it's separation. All connected. Yeah, There's yeah, no reason to go. be afraid of any of this stuff. No, it's exactly right. It's all connected. And it's not like something, you know, I mean, it's right in front of a person. Numerology is right there. But the point I'm making with the numerology is simply that the astrology itself is directly linked to the numerology because there's 12 signs out of the 360 degree circle, which means each sign is 30 degrees. A degree yeah. is made up of 60 minutes. A minute is made up of 60 seconds. So you have 60 seconds, 60 minutes, and 60 degrees. So you get into degrees. Okay, so each degree is 60 minutes. So you get this time thing. Time weaves itself into the design. Time and design in a sense, work together. So once you kind of have this sense of, right, there's time woven in number and time woven into the design, you now are getting closer to realizing, wow, it's right in front of us. It's right there. And, and you know, why wouldn't we want to understand it? Like, why would somebody, the only reason somebody would forbid a person to not understand it is fear and control. Like, why are you saying I should not study this number thing that's right in front of me every day? Should I should I block that out of my mind? What? Yeah, do you quite mean? honestly, all of this stuff is it is control, and um, it's we, all we, control. We, yeah, religions yeah. classically are control, and they use fear as their leverage. If you do that, you're going to go to hell. If you don't believe that, you're not going to go into heaven. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah, and it's. It, it, and unfortunately, it, it makes people maybe a little less inclined to discover these things on their own because, you know, the Bible's told them not to question and um, all kinds of religions, and not just the Bible. You know, um, it is a control thing. I don't think the Bible. I just one thing on that. I don't think the Bible did that. I think the Bible, in fact, celebrates astrology a bit. But how one interprets it is open to discussion. But OK, getting back to it. Yeah. So let's go back to the moon. Um, okay. You mentioned the waxing and waning. What is the importance of both? Mm -hmm. Well, like when you're uh, born, the moon is uh, e either at some placement in its cycle. Like it, it, we call that the moon's phase. Were you born during a waxing moon, a waning moon, a new moon, a full moon? If you think about it, it's like, well, if, if astrology works, then that's bound to be a, a factor, you know, because each phase of the moon's different. Now, most people aren't paying close attention to the rhythms, the rhythmic cyclic uh, reality of the moon. Before I go on, though, I just want to explain something very briefly. Astrology in the physics of things, the, the sun, moon, and earth do exchange physics energy like there's energetic pulls of gravity and there's there's a 
there's a energetic um, radiation from the sun, right? So the sun's radiation on the planet is very, very important and significant. The tilt of the Earth's axis and it's spinning around, uh, uh, going around the sun creates seasons. So that creates an ever-changing but rhythmic pattern of uh, that that radiation field being kind of ever so slightly offset on a continual basis from minute to minute, really, day to day. Uh, the moon itself, of course, waxing and waning creates this tidal pull, mm-hmm. right? So that we get physics. Now, the other, I just wanted to mention that briefly because astrology is anchored in the sun-moon-earth relationship. There's nothing mysterious, nothing macabre, nothing evil, no sacrificing yeah. anything. <laughs> you know, it's not something dark. It's just like, it's just, a, there it is. You have night and day and you have waxing, waning moons, you have seasons. Okay. Are we all, all here now? <laughs> I am on board. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, it's kind of elementary, literally like the elements. And we observe if in science, you observe, okay, when, you know, in certain seasons and there's certain moons. Now you have to really pay close attention to, you know, like there's astrology is kind of an open-ended subject in the sense that even to this day, people are writing books on astrology, but invariably while the things they write are based on core principles, invariably it's interpretive. So in a full moon, they say that's a good time to start new projects. No, no, (laughs) no. The best time to start new projects is the waxing of the moon. Why? Uh, well, it's because the energy is building and the full moon's when it culminates. Okay, so, wait a minute. Tech- before, we, before you go into that, explain what waxing and waning is. It just means like when there's a new moon, the, when the moon's moving from its dark kind of you know position. The reason it looks dark in the sky is largely because uh, it's in the alignment with the sun. And when it is exactly aligned for in, a, in a latitudinal sense, uh, we get an eclipse, by the way. We, it's what creates an eclipse. But otherwise, it's in the same position of the sun. So because the moon, as it waxes from that same you know, longitudinal and latitudinal uh, angle from our perspective to the sun, right, it begins to take on the sun's light. Yep. The, the sun reflects the sun's light, right? So, and that sun principle becomes mystical in a way because it comes down to the principle of light. Like, like even uh, Hmm. in Vedic astrology, they call it the science of light. Wow! Now that's the first I've heard that. That's interesting. It's quite beautiful that they do. They have a Western and Vedic astrology have very similar common denominators. Unfortunately, like as within religions, there's various debate among certain principles that there need not be. They can sit side by side and wonderfully operate due to, you know, it's just like different languages, you know, like English yeah. and French, if you like. They, they can work side by side. One does not cancel out the other. Man. That kind of reductionistic thinking is out there. It's called, that's called prejudice. That's called, yeah. you know, See, that's, that's my message, man. That's my message yeah. right there. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. So anyway, the waxing moon uh, now is in a momentous push towards full, which is called its culmination point. Uh, so as it moves towards full, it gets understood to be building energy towards that culmination to that big 
you know, full light of the sun being reflected on the moon, face of the moon. And energetically, when the moon gets full, it kind of comes to a peak of energy, literally. It really does. Literally. I mean, listen, people who work in hospitals or the police department, they will tell you that people get a little nutty in these times. <laughs> yeah, there is a thing called lunacy, which is the uh, reaction some people have to the moon. There are pe- like people like in their nature can be more lunar or more solar. They buy the way. So it's like not everybody's the same. You'll see that in people and astrology can measure whether you're so more lunar or more solar or somewhere in between. By the way, it'll show that. It'll, and then the people who are more lunar tend to be more susceptible to the moon. And, and, you know, especially people that are mentally and emotionally unstable, this is where we get the notion of lunacy. That makes a lot of sense. And people, you know, to wrap your head around, too, there's just knowing that the effects of the planets, just the moon alone, we can look at the oceans and see the effect that it has on it. And it's having a similar effect on us. Do you, is, that, is that the association? Yes. It will, it's having an effect on us that invariably manifests in a more emotional, psychological sense because that's what we are. We as human beings are not just spiritual. We are that. But we're, you know, mental, emotional s- beings that are that invariably implies psychological which that word psychology is kind of tossed around idly and casually but if you really dive into a deeper understanding of the word psychology you realize wow of course it's not a simple subject to understand human psychology and there's a whole bunch of reasons and i know a bunch of them because i've studied it for many many years so i study psychology from a more spiritual and less specifically mainstream academic angle. I'm so glad you did too, because it's, it's great to hear this perspective. I'm, I've never heard anyone explain it like this. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, astrologers, you know, recognize the basics of human psychology in as human nature. The word, the phrase human nature, it comes from astrology because astrology is all about nature. Astrology is all about the intimate relationship we have with nature, but it, and it's showing, as you keep saying, Russ, this interconnected, it's what I would call intrinsic relationship. For example, to, speaking of the moon, we say we, okay, we've got this notion of the planet having begun at some point and that life on this planet had to emerge, had to kind of evolve, which is its own mystery. And it's not all solved, even though some biologists and so forth assume that they have it all figured out. They don't. But it's still, there's some clues and it does seem like it evolved. Okay. But it did so in context to the waxing and waning moon. The, like life on this planet evolved, we, in context. Now, if we think we were just put here or, you know, there's all kinds of questions and I'm not going to go into that debate. But we were put it this way, as basic as is, at least we can say we were born into each and every one of us, a reality of a lot of fixed aspects of reality already in place, nature itself, but also things like the, you know, the seasons and the waxing and waning of the moon was all there, all in place. So our entire formative years of development were happening with this contextual reality, which we're not paying attention to necessarily, but there it is. And if we choose to, we got to go, well, what is that 
thing in the sky, that moon. And, you know, is it just there? Or is it just doing nothing? And yeah, no, people go, well, no. And various like biologists and so forth and, you know, uh, um, well, meteorologists and various sciences, they go, no, 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 it's there and it's doing this and that. And astrologers come in and they can measure how it actually influences people's emotions. Now, so what we're talking about is two levels. There's the personal, like uh, in your birth chart, what is the moon waxing or waning? Is it new? Is it full? What relationship is it having to other planets? But then we can also in everyday life kind of want to maybe work with the moon for when we start things, you know, so and there's it's generally understood or deemed to be more auspicious, better timing to start certain things when there's moons in certain positions. Now, that itself can be, you know, challenged, but uh, it's from years and years and years of observation by astrologers for example all over the world throughout history you know they they build up um observational probabilities so that we we again we're working with probabilities we go well generally speaking what we've observed over the many 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 centuries all over the world <laughs> who do this is that it's better to start a project with this kind of moon phase so is that an absolute statement? No. Is it good to maybe go with certain helpful probabilities? Well, why not? You know, why not? You know, like it's, so it's not, there's no should, there's no have to, there's no fear. Oh, if you don't go with this moon, you're going to go to hell or something. You and know? it also doesn't mean that you can't do it at a different time too. It's just that you've, you're probably going to increase your odds of success if you do it during this time period. Right. You know, it's a, one of the many factors. Yes. It, it, the odds of success are there improved. So with a little bit of a one, uh, a stretch to explain that to some people, but cause they can't understand and that, you know, it doesn't compute. And the reason it doesn't is because they don't have any background knowledge. But then again, if I asked you and you have no idea of how that car works, okay, you don't know that. So it's not true. Well, see that car over there. You tell me how that works. You're not a mechanic, but I want you to tell me how that car works. You, well, I don't know how that. Yeah. Well, you you see it driving though, right? <laughs> you right. see that, so you know it drives, but you 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 don't need to know that how it works to know that it works, right? Yeah. But when it comes yeah. to astrology, for example, they say, "Well, I don't know how it works, so it doesn't work." <laughs> Something that's unfortunately that happens, and that's partially comes from. I, I'm sorry about that little chip on my shoulder. There, it comes from. Uh, uh, you know, astrology is constantly under attack from both religion and science. It's like, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm, I don't, I'm religious. I don't believe it. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, do, you know, live and let live. And it's another thing to say, I'm an astro a, a scientist and I don't believe it. Well, if you're a scientist, you should prove or disprove and everything else is just some kind of religion. Right. Well, well, for me, it was just a matter of just get, getting a real reading and then actually hearing them describing my personality. Now, if would this happen to everybody? I don't know. Maybe oh, I yeah. got lucky. I don't oh, know. Oh, yes, it would. Well, it would within varying degrees of interpretive, very, you know, difference. Right. But yes. And I believe that's true. Let's, like, for example, if someone came to you, you gave me a reading mm -hmm. and it meant a lot to me. And then another person came to you because you know what the heck you're doing. Um, they would probably say the same thing. That's pretty much true. Listen, it affected me so deeply that I'm when Blue Star, I believe that's a software that I ended up oh, yeah. buying Blue because Star, I was yeah. just blown away by it. 
And so now I I'm, I'm, I'm create reports for family and friends, for people that want them. And uh, they're, most of them, some of them have, maybe I did it wrong. Maybe I entered the information wrong or something. Some, you know, a lot of generalities in those auto, auto generated yeah. reports. But when you get a real live reading, man, I'm not sure how you could say, no, that does, that doesn't touch me at all. Yeah. Some people are, you know, fixed in their beliefs and it's, it's tricky. Uh, one, you know, ideally approaches anything with a certain amount of an attitude of willingness to engage. <clears throat> now um, that's, I've done readings for people yeah. who were skeptical, but you know, if they, give me the benefit of the doubt to go on and I start saying things. And as I say things that they recognize to be at least close to accurate, they start opening up. Oh yeah. All it took for me was that auto generated report on my natal chart. And I was blown away. Michael O'Connor from sunstarastrology.com. Thank you for joining me today. And look, if you want to get an auto generated natal chart reading for only $20 reach out to me I'll generate one for you you will be blown away in such a way that you will want to get a live reading with Michael O'Connor sunstarastrology.com thanks again for listening it's all connected at russjohnson.com